What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Anti Up. I'm your host, Howard Bender. With me tonight, uh, John Impemba. That's right. Adam Ronis is uh, off drafting more fantasy football teams. So, uh, and then he's uh, he's going live with Alarm After Hours on uh, on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. You get to hear that live uh, on Mondays and Thursdays. That's right, game days from midnight to two a.m. Eastern. Uh, but John, you slide in here as the uh, as the uh, as the main guy, and man, I tell you, we're just coming off of this uh, Kansas City Chiefs Houston game. I think before we uh, start talking about point spreads and games we like for the weekend, um, I think we need to address a couple of things in this game. Uh, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you start off? Just give me a couple of things uh, that you took away from uh, from this game. Yeah, for sure. One, I question if Bill O'Brien is going to keep his job throughout the year. Uh, some horrendous uh, play calling that we saw at times in this game. Uh, you know, down three scores, they're running draws to Duke Johnson. I don't understand uh, why they decided that to be the smart uh, game plan. Uh, Will Fuller, clearly the number one guy there. Not that there really should have been a big question, but obviously, uh, you know, they brought in Brandon Cooks and maybe there was going to be some duo there. But Fuller dominated the targets at eight catches uh, for 112 yards in that game. Uh, David Johnson, debut, big, big shoes. He sort of had a fill-in following the trade from DeAndre Hopkins uh, this offseason. He came in, had a really nice effort, uh, scored a touchdown, got involved in the passing game. So everything we're sort of were looking for David Johnson, uh, we got and even was uh, able to stay relatively healthy. There was a small scare there uh, where he went to the sideline, got that wrist checked out, but uh, was able to get back in the game. So we're looking for the Texan side. Will Fuller, David Johnson looked great. Uh, the rest of it, kind of gross. Cooks didn't do anything. Cobb didn't show up until the end of the game. Deshaun Watson was basically running for his life a lot of the time, which is one of the problems we felt was going to be an issue with the Texans. That offensive line really hasn't gotten uh, much better there. So uh, ugliness there with Houston. But on the flip side, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has to be the story of this game. Uh, didn't even get involved in the passing game. One of his you know best assets everybody thought was going to be that passing attack. Uh, and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. But uh, he did it all on the ground uh, in this one, which I think was impressive. 138 yards on 25 carries. Uh, you know, we saw uh, we saw uh, Patrick Mahomes with three scores. Sammy Watkins had his usual week one heroics there, 732, and a score. But Kelsey and Hill also found the end zone. So, uh, yeah, Chiefs offense came rolling in. Texans uh, looked as disappointing as we uh, may have assumed. Yeah, definitely a disappointing day for the the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, a couple of things that I saw. Uh, a, a lot of drop passes. A lot of drop passes. And it was, you know, Will Fuller had drops. Uh, he had one, like, right from the get-go uh, that looked absolutely atrocious. Um, he dropped passes. I saw uh, Cook's drop passes. And he still had two horrible drops. Horrible drops. Horrible, horrible drops. Um, and I think that's that's definitely a big deal. And that's, you know, listen, I expected there to be a certain amount of sloppiness to the games in here in week one, just because they haven't had the full preseason, not even just preseason games. They've really only had the last month to work together uh, to to become that cohesive unit. Now, granted, Fuller uh, and and Stills have been with the Texans for a little while, so you know, we should, you know, we should expect at least some sort of a rapport, which we did get with Fuller. But I mean, yeah, it was just, it was very disappointing to see the drops. 
Uh, Brandon Cooks, who, you know, shouldn't have been playing because obviously he wasn't healthy enough to, you know, even do anything or, you know, command anything in this game. We get five targets in this game, uh, came away with two catches, and, and that was – and that was it. You know, I think that I think for the Texans on the positive side, Deshaun Watson can stage a comeback and do it all on his own. And, you know, that's great for fantasy. Um, you know, obviously him rushing a, you know, him running a touchdown in uh, really kind of just makes up for the fact that he only had one touchdown pass on the night. Um, so Deshaun still, you know, remains that that elite guy. David Johnson, I agree with you. He looked good. He definitely looked good. Uh, he was catching passes, um, you know, had 11 carries. But, I mean, it's tough for him, you know. I mean, you could sit there and say uh, what you want, 11 carries, but, I mean, that's the Texans were playing from behind the entire game. I mean, it was just, I mean, they won the, the entire game. They just in, in typical fashion of last year, uh, they went up, uh, they, they took the lead, and then the second quarter, uh, Mahomes and, the com- and company woke up, uh, and they, you know, I mean, they just put up 17 points to close out the half. They had a 16-play uh, just... touchdown drive at one point, Kansas City, in that second quarter. I mean, it just, you know, they, they dominated the time of possession in that second quarter and really just kept Houston off the field. Right, which, again, is exactly what they did in the playoffs last year uh, when they took them out. So, you know, listen, I yes, I agree. The offensive line is definitely going to need to be a little bit more cohesive for Houston. Um, good takeaway with David Johnson. I'm not going to get all giddy about Will Fuller's 112 yards and, and eight catches. Yeah, it's great for fantasy, but again, you know, you need to be much more of a playmaker and, and I need to see, uh, you know, more key catches made. I mean, it was just, yeah, just every catch that, that he did make, there wasn't anything special about it. Um, you know, not that there needs to be something special about every catch, but, uh, you know, it just to me, it was uh, there were not impressive catches uh, and, and the two drops stood out like a turn to punch bowl. Uh, yeah, I mean, with Fuller to me, it's just that he was clearly the only one that at least could have gotten open. I mean, maybe there was some tunnel vision there, but he got eight of the 10 targets. The problem with me, and like you mentioned, you know, Brandon Cooks had five. That was second on the team. And then you got guys, uh, you know, nobody else had more than four. And that was David Johnson. Uh, Randall Cobb got three, but those are all junk at the end of the game where it's basically over. Um, you know, either Watson needs to incorporate these other guys more in the game plan, or there's going to be a problem here where, uh, you know, there's probably not much more upside with this Houston offense if they can't do that. Because, I mean, while Fuller can certainly put up big numbers, like you said, uh, they're not going to win many games if it's just pitch and catch with those two all day. Uh, they need more surroundings to help them out. So yeah, that's definitely the thing. And and then there that bodes the question: um, What's Deshaun Watson's field of vision like? That he's so locked in on one guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's used to it since his career started. It's just been Hopkins, 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 Hopkins. Um, so yeah, he definitely needs to to spread the ball out uh, a little bit more uh, on that front. Um, on the Chiefs side. I thought Mahomes looked good. It wasn't anything, you know, spectacular. He wasn't like slinging the rock uh, left and right. They were good, quick, efficient, uh, short passes. A um, couple of times, you know, he tried to to air it out a little bit. I'm less bullish on on Clyde Edwards Hilaire's uh, night tonight. I, I, I listen again for fantasy. If you're just box score surfing, 138 yards and a touchdown, you're like that's phenomenal, and I and I love that. Um, but I mean, if you watch the game, really, I mean, he got jacked up at the line at the goal line 
at least three or four times. Uh, happened in the first half, happened definitely towards the tail end of the game where he was just unable to do it. Listen, I get it. He is a talented running back. But the way the offensive line was ripping these holes apart, so my complaint might be, or not even so much a complaint, uh, you know, I'll praise the offensive line, but I'm also going to have to wonder and see what happens next week with these guys. Uh, you know, is the defensive line for Houston, was it bad or was it just a really strong performance from the offensive line? Because, again, you know, in, in you know, when the field is uh, is longer and they have the room that they, they can, you know, maneuver around, well, then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can – you know, find his holes. And, and I, you know, kudos to fo- for following your blockers and, and having the vision to see where the holes are developing. But I mean, as I tweeted this out, as great as Clyde Edwards Hilaire looked uh, in this game, the offensive line looked better. And so I'm going to, I want to see what happens uh, when it's less of a, a, of a spread out kind of thing. The chiefs don't own that, that game, uh, you know, own that, that, off, you know, offensive line, defensive line battle, um, and then see really what what else Edwards Hilaire can do. So, you know, kudos to him. It's a great debut. You got to feel good about it if you drafted him. But if you watch the game, um, the, it was it was a good performance. It wasn't an outstanding performance. Yeah, I mean, I certainly understand what you're saying in terms of just the domination of the Chiefs offense. But this is what the Chiefs offense kind of is. I mean. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we could see, you know, we, we saw Cream Hunt a handful of seasons ago break out and have a monster rookie year uh, in this type of offense. Now, again, Hunt was more involved in the passing game in that first game uh, that he was able to rave a lot about Edward Slayer's ability to catch the football. But if teams have to worry about this passing attack of Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, you know, the whole list that lit him up tonight, you know, those holes, I think, in the running game are going to be there for Edward Solaire because defenses can't sit there and try to play the run against this offense. So, um, you know, I I agree with you. I want to see what happens next week and and see exactly how that offensive line moves. Um, But it's also, you know, not unfamiliar to see running backs in this Chiefs offense over the last few years be successful um, because teams have to worry about the passing game so much. No, no, no. I got you. I got you. I'm just not going to sit here and tell everybody that Edward Solaire is a superstar and Edward Solaire uh, deserve to have been taken in the first round. I want to see a little bit more than just one game, first game of the season. But, you know, for the same token, you know, <laughs> how about everybody's good old friend, Sammy Watkins, right? <laughs> Seven catches, 82 yards and a touchdown. Um, okay, that's great, but show me more. I tweeted this out also. Friendly reminder, in 2019, Sammy Watkins caught nine passes for 198 yards and three touchdowns. Played 14 games that season. He finished with 673 yards and those very same three touchdowns. So, you know, again, it's uh, it, it's great for the first game of the season. It's a nice, bright, shiny debut, but I want to see it backed up with some consistency to make it happen. Because so far, really, to me, the only consistent play that we get uh, off of this team are, is, uh, is Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill, and Pat Mahomes. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see how these secondary or, you know, third, fourth pieces that do work in to the office. Obviously, Sammy is the number two receiver, third probably in targets on that roster. 
you know, but how is Miko Harmon going to fit in in year two? I mean, obviously only one target tonight. You know, people were sort of high on him potentially. But Demarcus Robinson, who last year had levels of success at times, he had six targets. So, you know, finding out exactly, uh, you know, how involved and, and uh, you know, this passing attack is going to be and who, who figures in where uh, is going to be interesting moving forward. They do have uh, the Chargers next week. So another tough off, uh, another tough sort of defensive front that they're going to go up against there. Um, much tougher you know, secondary, though. Yeah, no, right. Not not much worse, especially with the injury that they just had uh, with their safety there. So um, not much there, right, to, to defend that passing attack. Um, we shall see. We shall see. Well, I did uh, I did some uh, defensive line, linebacker, secondary uh, rankings just for my own personal use, using for DFS. Uh, strong defensive line, supposed to be a strong secondary. We'll see how they recover um, from the uh, from the injury there. Uh, middle of the road linebackers, as opposed to Houston, which has great linebackers, uh, a mediocre defensive line, and a crap sucking secondary. I thought it was interesting that they put JJ Watt as sort of the nose tackle in the, in their their formation today, uh, or at least that was at least highlighted a few times. They they felt Watt would have more successful. Uh, sort of rushing the passer up the middle against the guard in the center. But uh, it seemed like, you know, he, while he had some pressure, nearly, you know, wasn't, wasn't an impact because we saw Edward Solaire run up the middle on them. So, um, well, yeah. Then we also saw him spin away from a JJ Watt tackle and get jacked up yeah. by, uh, by Hall. I mean, oh my God, he crushed them. Um, but overall here, so, you know, Solid 34 to 20 win for the Chiefs. They cover the nine point spread. The game goes over. Yeah. Uh, depending on where you had it, though, because um, this line started at 55. It went down to 54 and a half. DK Sportsbook just went down to 53 and a half uh, earlier this afternoon. I was actually, I was on the Fantasy Alarm show on Sirius XM. Uh, and I had seen the line at 54 and a half. And then all of a sudden I turned around and I look and it's at 53 and a half. And I actually said, oh, you know what? I mean, the going down that one point, um, I kind of feel like the over is the way to go. Now I had, you know, Houston with the points, but I said that that, that point going down there really made the big difference. And as we see, it did 54. Uh, so it hits that over uh, for there. So not bad. It was one and one on the game. Uh, and then, of course, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, I own I think I just own everybody in football. I own Watson. I own Mahomes, uh, Edwards, like 15 David, leagues. Howard, you, you find yourself with exposure 15. to a lot that's of a, people. That's adorable that you think I'm only in 15 leagues. 30, 30 for the great Howard Bender. You know? There you go. I don't know about great. How about uh, uh, stupidly can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, a great, great start for the NFL. Here we go. Uh, we've got the rest of week one, and uh, John and I are going to just go game by game. We're going to take a look, uh, give some quick thoughts, uh, just, you know, regarding the spread, uh, and then we'll uh, and then we'll scooch on out of here because, uh, yeah, you know, I'm all spent from, uh, from the buildup for the NFL, and uh, I need my nap time. So um, away we go, John. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. You sure? All right. Before we do that, I want to give a shout out to our uh, our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight, and a big thank you uh, to them. Always a, a great site, great prop games, uh, a DFS site you should definitely be playing on, and here's why. 
Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else monkeyknifefight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like monkeyknifefight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. And there we go. Big thank you, Monkey Knife Fight. Now, let's get to the games here. We'll stick with the DK Sportsbook since it's been so good to us. Um, and let's uh, let's start off. Eagles uh, against the football team. Uh, Eagles are favored by five and a half on this one. Uh, the over-under is da, 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 43. Um, you got to lean anywhere? I think I'm going to go Philly here. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to take them with the minus five and a half. I know... Um, you know, maybe they're dealing with some injuries potentially with Miles Sanders, but I think their defense has improved. You know, obviously getting Darius Slay is going to make a big improvement. Uh, in that secondary, I expect him to lock up uh, Terry McLaurin in that game. And, you know, obviously Washington football team, uh, you know, their running back situation suspect. They got Haskins, who's kind of a question mark at quarterback. So uh, give me Philly uh, in this one. And I'll, I'll go the under 43. You go the under 43. Uh, and then Philly there. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Wow. Why don't these pages sync up on me? All right. Let's just, uh, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to say, uh, Eagles laying the points. Uh, the under definitely sounds good. I don't know how they're going to do, uh, you know, I mean, at most maybe a McLaurin touchdown for Washington, uh, Indianapolis against Jacksonville, uh, Colts are favored by eight. Uh, and the over under on that one is, 45, I got 45. All right. Well, so I'll tell you what. I'm going to say I'm going to take the Colts. I'm going to lay the points. I mean, it's tough, you know. I mean, that's that's my lean right now. I want to see uh, a little something. Jacksonville could end up covering this spread with a backdoor cover. Um, you know, I mean, Gardner Minshew is just going to be chucking the ball all over the place in the second half, so I could conceivably see – uh, something like that sneaking up, but I'll I'll lean right now uh, towards Indianapolis and uh, and I'll stay on the under. Yeah, I agree with you. The backdoor cover at eight obviously is like you know kind of screaming at you a little bit, doesn't it? it? Feels like it's sticking out there with an eight point spread. Um, but I agree with you. I think the Colts are going to go out get to a two touchdown lead here, uh, and then they'll lean on that running game. You know, they went what been the best offensive lines uh, supposedly coming into this year. So uh, I think they get a lead, they run the ball, kill the clock, and uh, you know, cover the spread. And I'll take that under with you as well at four, under 45. Seattle against Atlanta. Atlanta's a home dog. They're getting two points from the Seahawks. I'll tell you what. 
Um, I'm going to, I'm going to lean Seattle in this one, but I'm also going to lean on the over, which is 49. I mean, Seattle's defense is terrible. It really is not a good defense. They've got good, solid linebackers, but the defensive line is meh. And, and the secondary is just, it's just not what it used to be. So I kind of feel like, you know, the Falcons will be throwing the ball uh, often. I think that this could be a high scoring game, but I'll still take uh, Seattle land too. Yeah, I'm actually going to go opposite. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the home dog here. I think Atlanta uh, is going to come in. They improved their offensive line. They added Todd Gurley, a depth of the running game that uh, you know they haven't had with Freeman being injured over the last you know, year or whatever. Uh, and they still have you know the, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. They added Hayden Hurst. So uh, I'm going to go with the the Falcons getting to uh, 49. You know, Seahawks like to run the football so much. That's that's the problem. With that 49 total, I think I'm ultimately going to agree with you over, but I think it's going to be really close. I get, you know, if Seattle sticks to sort of their running plan, you know, that could, you know, keep this game just a shy under. All right. Uh, Detroit hosting Chicago. Uh, Lions favored by three, the over under 42 and a half. Yeah, it's ugly. I, I, I want to know the stats of Kenny Galladay. I think that makes a big deal. And obviously, this game here. Um, you know, if they get rid of him, we already know Detroit has no running game, and now you're limiting Stafford to what Amendola, Marvin Jones, and TJ Hawkinson against this Bears defense. I'm gonna take the Bears to the points, and um, that 42 and a half. I don't like, I mean, these teams are just gross. Um, I'm gonna go Bears in the under. I can see this being like a 27 10 game, you know. Yeah, it's definitely possible. It's if, I'm going to lean on the Lions here a little bit still. I just, you know, don't know really the the true status of David Montgomery. I know that he put in a practice on Thursday, um, and he seems to be good to go. But, I mean, I'm just going to wait and see uh, what Matt Nagy does. Uh, you know, Detroit, no Galladay. I mean, a limited Galladay. I mean, that's that's everything that they've been saying so far. Um, is that he tweaked his hammy and that, you know, they're going to they're gonna handle him with kid gloves. And I'm okay with that. But, you know, I mean, if he's going to be on the field at any point, uh, you know, that's going to draw coverage. And, you know, Marvin Jones is a, a more than capable uh, receiver there. I do hate that there is no ground game here, uh, but I'm still going to favor the home team in this one. Um, Miami, New England. Oh, here are your boys. Here are your boys. Now, let me ask you a quick question here about, sure. about the Patriots. With with six different guys opting out off of the defense, how confident are you that this defense can still be a strong unit? Uh, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to put up the fantasy points that they put up last year, but how confident are you in this defense? So I think the one thing to pay attention to here is that aside from Patrick Chung, who's who opted out in the secondary, the secondary returning is still rated number one by Pro Football Focus. They still have the Defensive Player of the Year and Stephon Gilmore. They still have J.C. Jackson, who's been rated the top slot corner by Pro Football Focus uh, heading into this year. Uh, they still have Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty. So the secondary is still very much intact to be an elite unit there. It's really the front seven, which is the question marks. They have some rookies uh, that are there. They have some second-year players like Chase Winovich that they're really going to have to uh, rely on Dewan Bentley that they're really going to have to rely on. So, um, you know, if those guys can prove to be capable, you know, then the secondary is still, in my opinion, going to be a lockdown unit. So um, I, I, I like New England here. Uh, I know it's a homer pick, I guess. Uh, six and a half points here against Miami. 
Um, I know Miami came in and doing last year and won, and, and they're kind of riding high with some improvements on both sides of the ball for them as well. Um, but I do, I do think New England kind of has it uh, in this one at six and a half. Uh, and I would still um, 42. Uh, that's tough. I, I feel like I'm going to go the under in that game as well. Under 42. All right. I mean, I don't mind leaning on the under there. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm on the fence. I mean, if I had to lean, I also would lean Patriots, but I mean, Miami definitely does, <clears throat> excuse me. They do look a lot better overall and, you know, using Fitzpatrick under center, it's a very smart move. But you only uh, it, ever get one good year in a row of Fitzpatrick. You right? really do. Well, you know, you, I mean, you, he could be good for like a week or two, but Fitzmagic definitely has uh, a shelf life, uh, so to speak. Uh, I, you know, I'm curious as to how the ground game looks. You know, I'm a big Jordan Howard guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's where Miami is going to be able should have the advantage if we're thinking, you know, the inexperienced and younger Patriots front seven. You know, run the ball with Jordan Howard, change the pace to Matt Breeder, throw the ball out of the backfield and see how the linebackers can cover, see how the defensive line can get pressure, and then go from there. Um, you know, because obviously if they can't get pressure, eventually the secondary can't cover forever. And that is uh, real. That is very true right there. Eventually uh, the, the secondary is just not going to be able to handle it. Um, okay. All right. So, uh, so we're pretty much uh, in conjunction on that one. Now, here's the interesting one. Vegas against the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are getting three points uh, in this one. The over-under is 47 and a half. I'm already leaning on the under on this one. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, I, Craig Mish and I were talking about this game. And just the, it's, it's a very good point made that if Carolina is as bad as everybody says they are going to be, if the defense is as decimated as it is, don't you think the, the, the Raiders would be favored by like four and a half or five points like that? Like, I mean, Carolina is supposed to be, they have the second lowest implied wins total of any team in the NFL. I mean, wouldn't you think that the Raiders and Josh Jacobs and as bad as Carolina is, you don't think that the, that line should be a little bigger. It's, and I agree. And Craig Mish has a great eye for these these odd lines mm-hmm. that like seem off, like a trap play almost. Um, and so the they're not good defensively, Carolina. Obviously, they've lost some key players over the past you know, year or so. You know, Keekley retired, Bradbury left. Um, but offensively, they still have Christian McCaffrey. By all means, Teddy Bridgewater should be an improvement at the quarterback position from what they had. You know, last year, uh, you know, DJ Moore is still there. They added Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. So, like, I think the offense is still going to have the ability to score. And on the flip side, you're looking at a Raiders team that they're going to rely heavily on the ground game with Jacobs. But they're starting two rookie receivers in Ruggs and Edwards. Um, You know, Waller's obviously still there for Carr. But it's like, is there going to be some inconsistencies with the Raiders offense and their inexperience and their traveling? They're on the road to begin the year. And something that you and I talked about and – um, I, I don't know if we ever got total confirmation. I thought I read this, but um, teams are now traveling basically the day before the game. They're not like arriving early. There's very strict travel schedules now uh, with the NFL season. So like, you know, if, if Las Vegas is flying in on Saturday, getting to the hotel, staying in the hotel, going right from the hotel to the stadium, like, you know, it's going to be any sort of travel lag. Is there going to be anything like that involved? So I, I think I, the, I think the Panthers may cover this spread. 
I think the Panthers cover the spread too. I really do. And, uh, you know, I think, I think everybody's going to put their money on the Raiders. And, uh, I think that if you're, if you're getting three points here, uh, or even want to, you know, buy it, depending if you, you know, with an offshore, uh, and you want to secure it with buying an extra half point, um, I wouldn't be against that. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of a sneaky one, uh, so to speak. And, uh, and we'll probably be the only ones who actually say this, uh, to take Carolina. So, We'll see how that plays out. Um, Cleveland, Baltimore. This one. Oh, this one. Uh, Ravens favored by seven and a half. Um, the over-under in this one is... Uh, 40, just, I got a 48. 48. 48. Um, I got to tell you, I you know, with as banged up and broken as uh, Cleveland's secondary is and with how strong... The defense for the Ravens can be. I mean, I I think I would uh, I would lay the seven and a half with Baltimore, and uh, you know I I think both these teams are uh, are strong enough uh, to carry the over. I'm feeling the under here because both teams' game plan should be to run the football. Obviously, we know the Ravens love to run the football, but what you know, Savansky there now in Cleveland, you know, he's always been a very run heavy. Off, um, you know, coach there, uh, you know, and if the idea is for both teams to run and try to establish the run, then, you know, we may have a problem where scores points don't get scored enough early. And, you know, that may not carry the over by the end of the game. Um, I'm with you. I, I think Baltimore will cover the seven and a half, but I'm going to go seven and a half and under. All right. All right. Next up there. Uh, oh, Jets Buffalo, it's minus six and a half, uh, over under of 39 and a half. I'm I'm gonna take the <laughs> I'm gonna take the Bills in the under and not even comment on this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, Bills in the under. I mean good news for your Jets. Everybody's healthy. You know, we weren't sure what was gonna happen with you know Mims and, and Perriman and but they're all supposedly good to give me good to go for this game. So um, you know, at least they'll be healthy, but yeah, on the road against this Bills team, that defense, uh, you know, maybe only Josh Allen ruins it for Buffalo if he's you no know, inaccurate <laughs> or wild or who knows what. But yeah, Buffalo six and a half under works for me. Buffalo six and a half works for under me too. Uh Green Bay, Minnesota. Uh Minnesota favored by two and a half over under a forty-five. Uh, another one that I'm going to go with the under, um, and I'm probably going to take the, uh, I'm probably going to take the Vikings and lay the two and a half. I just think that they slow this game down enough, uh, with their ground game that I think that, uh, you know, I also really liked some of the defensive improvements they made. Um, it was getting scary for a little bit, but uh, I mean, you know, even though Danielle Hunter is, uh, is on IR, you know, that trade from Gakwe is going to really help them with the pass rush um, on uh, on Green Bay, on Aaron Rodgers. Um, if they can contain Devontae Adams, I think they can contain this uh, this Packers team here. So, But I think it's, uh, it's going to be two very strong run-heavy schemes, and I'll take the under. I agree with you. I'm going to go with the under on this one as well, and I'll take the Vikings at home. Um you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is always the wild card there. I mean, that guy carried a wildly overrated Packers team all the way you know, last season um, as best as he possibly can. But 
Uh, yeah, they didn't give him any help. So unless a guy like Lazard or Valdez Scantling really pops somehow, uh, yeah, this is going to be a struggle again for Green Bay, I think, offensively. So Minnesota in the under. All right. Now the one all people are going to be watching, right? Chargers, Bengals. Um, it's the debut of Joe Burrow. That he's at home. He's getting three points. He's a home dog uh, in this one. And then he is uh, the over-under uh, for this game is 42. Where are you leaning? I actually... I'm going to take the Bengals plus three here. I I think that even though Burrow hasn't had the experience set of a real game, um, you know, the offense and some of the reports I've seen, and obviously everybody's been glowing about Burrow there in, in training camp. But, you know, if they have a healthy AJ Green, they have Tyler Boyd, you know, Joe Mixon's there. You know, the offensive line can be a little, is a little bit worrisome. And then we are going into charges, which you mentioned earlier, have a good defensive line. But, uh, you know, that secondary, you know, could be exposed a little bit. Um, yeah, and they're home. And I don't know about Tyrod Taylor. I mean, you know, what kind of what's that offense going to look like there now with the Chargers? So uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'm going to go with the under in this one, too. I like the under. I'm going to take the Chargers in this one as well. I think, you know, I, when it, the Chargers offense, from everything that I've, I've heard of what they're going to be doing, is basically going to be a copycat offense uh, from what Greg Roman runs in uh, Baltimore. Now, I'm not saying that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the new Lamar Jackson, but we've seen Tyrod Taylor have success in Greg Roman's style of offense. So if uh, Shane Steichen actually runs that same offense um, and, you know, and you're going to have all the RPOs and you're going to have the rollouts, um, I think the Chargers could actually put up some points here. Uh, I'm looking at Hunter Henry as sort of like, you know, the this year's version of Mark Andrews uh, and how he broke out last year. They always have Keenan Allen as a nice, reliable target. Um, I would I would like it even more if Mike Williams was healthy and played. Um, but I think Jalen Guyton could actually be a, a little bit of a sleeper in this one. Uh, and I'm just going to – that's why I'm going to lean on the uh, on the Chargers here. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Like I said, it, it's, a, it's a close one. You know, two teams that we really are going to be interesting to watch, I guess, the way their offense will develop since they're – uh, kind of under new uh, new leadership there. Um, Arizona at San Francisco. Niners are favored by six and a half in this one. Uh, the over-under is 48. I got to tell you, you know, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. You know, didn't want, you know, as far as talking about a, a specific situation with the fires the way they are here in California, the air quality really blows. Like really, I get that they're gonna have oxygen uh, on the field, but I mean, this is really the way the air quality is and how heavy it is. Um, even just going for a walk, I mean, you're sitting there if you if you you know walk so that you get your heart rate up, you know, all of a sudden you start feeling it in your chest, you start feeling it in your uh, in your throat uh, with all the smoke and the ash in the air, um, and I find that that's gonna be. Really interesting to see if this clears up, because if this doesn't clear up where it is right now, I mean, everybody saw the pictures uh, of, you know, from coming out of the Bay Area with the orange sky and the fact that it looked like it was nighttime at, at 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. I think that could actually have a, uh, a negative effect, especially, uh, you know, for one o'clock in the afternoon sort of a game. And I mean, it's just like right there. I'm not sure where I want to lean as far as the uh, as far as this goes. I, I would probably say 
Um, I would lean San Francisco right now just because of their defense. And I do like what the Cardinals have. I do like what they what they put together. But this Niners defense could really probably hold up. Um, six and a half is a lot, considering how good the Arizona Cardinals offense can be. But that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and as far as the over under, I'll uh, again I'll sit on the under. Yeah, I'm with you there on the under. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points though. I'm gonna take the six and a half. I, I think the improvements that they made uh, on the offensive side of the football. You know, should make a difference here. If we're if we're believing that Kyler Murray is going to make that next step, they just paid DeAndre Hopkins to take a lot of the stress off sort of the rest of that pass attack. Maybe we'll finally get you know Christian Kirk in more favorable positions. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald's still uh, there, so um, I'm going to go with the points there and, t- and take the six and a half. But I think the under is a good play. All right, beautiful, beautiful. Next game on the docket. Here we go. Oh. Well, this is going to be the fun one, right? Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans favored by three and a half. You know, New Orleans at home, always money in the bank. They're going to have, I don't even know if they're going to have any fans in there. I don't know if they're, they're, they're not even allowed 20% capacity. Um, so it's always kind of curious as to how the Saints are going to perform inside the Superdome without any fans there. But man, this is your boy. This is your baby. This is Tommy Brady. Uh, and Rob Gronkowski making their Tampa Bay debut. I'll defer this one to you, John. Yeah, the uh, the commercial they played during the game time, I'm not sure if you happen to catch it, but it was uh, Marshawn Lynch reading like a bedtime story. And it started with Gronk and Tom basically in their Tampa Bay pajamas. And I was, I was, uh, I was shedding a tear. Um, I'm The Mike Evans thing matters to me in this one. If Evans isn't capable of suiting up, Obviously, it takes a you know a big weapon away from that Tampa Bay offense, and you know maybe you see Lattimore now more on Godwin, where you know we would have had your 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 whipping boy there uh, covering Godwin out of the slot um, with New Orleans. So um, the, the Evans status is, is something I, I need to you know get more clarification on. For now, I'm going to lean Saints though at the minus three and a half, and I think this game uh, is going to go over. And you think this game is going to go over? Um, all right. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna make a call. I'm just gonna stand by whatever John says. Uh Dallas Rams, uh Dallas on the road. They are a three-point favorite. Uh 51 and a half is the over-under. Man, you know, it's it's two good defenses, I think. I mean, Dallas has definitely improved on defense. The Rams have a solid defense. Um, with a 51 and a half over-under. That's a tough one there. I mean, both teams can have, you know, really strong firepower here. Um, I'll probably say that I'm going to go with Dallas minus three, but I'm actually going to go with the under because I think that they run Zeke a lot more uh, in this game. And maybe they jump out to a lead and just kind of sit on it a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of boring to keep on betting unders, but I think 51 and a half is a little bit too much. Also, sort of, I don't really, you know, I don't really trust Jared Goff. You know, what what are we... Why, why all of a sudden are, are we going to assume that, you know, he's going to have a good game here? We've seen him many times lay goose eggs. And then, you know, I think McVay is maybe outsmarting himself here by saying he's going to run a trio of running backs. Like, just give the ball to Cam Akers. Why are you going to start Malcolm Brown? Why are you insisting on trying to involve Henderson as much as you want to? Uh, so if he's going to, you know, take the ball away from what could be his best skill player in Cam Akers, um, you know, how is that offense really going to, you know, be productive. So 
Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas. I'm going to take the under. Dallas in the under. Listen, there's nothing wrong with taking the all unders or, or it's most boring. unders. Howard, it's boring to take the unders. It's not boring to take the unders. See, that's the problem. People bet what they want to see, not what they really are going to see. And I'll tell you, man, if all the drops that we witnessed uh, tonight for, uh, you know, for Houston, I mean, other teams are going to be in that situation also. There are a lot of passing attacks that are still going to need time to gel. So, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I, I think it's perfectly fine taking the unders on this one here. Uh, Pittsburgh against the Giants. Uh, 46 is the over-under. Um, Steelers favored by five and a half. You know, here's here's the interesting thing. And, you know, this is something, again, that Craig and I go back and forth with because this is something that you can take a look at, um, you know, statistics-wise. Uh, Monday night home dogs usually hit. Usually they do. However, in the last like two seasons, um, it, they haven't, which has been a little bit on the surprising side. But you got Pittsburgh over the Giants by five and a half. You've got Tennessee against Denver. Denver's fa- Denver's a, a two and a half point dog here at home. Denver against the spread. Okay, for the beginning of the game, uh, for the beginning of the season, first three games of the season, their home games. All right, they've always been strong against the spread so you know i look at this and that's why i say well the giants defense is really bad steelers defense is really good i'll say that pittsburgh probably covers the spread here at five and a half i do kind of like the over in this one um but i think that uh that denver is the home dog i think they cover against tennessee possibly even surprise them so i like the denver call as well um i I was certainly going in that direction I actually think the Giants can be interesting. Now, I know the Steelers had an improved defense, but if you remember last year, you and I looked at Pittsburgh and how big of a home road split difference that they really had. Like they were a dominant home defense, but on the road, they were pretty exploitable. And now they're on the road here opening night against, you know, a fully healthy Giants offense. Who knows how long that will last, right? Ingram, Shepard, Barkley, you know, they're all there for, for him. And if Daniel Jones can, you know, Prove to be capable of not turning the football over here. Um, I'm going to take the five and a half with the Giants. Uh, I agree. I'm going to go over to the 46. Uh, and then with Denver, again, we're looking at Titans team that wants to run, 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 run. Denver obviously has an improved running attack with signing Gordon and their offensive line. So I'm, I'm going to go with the under 41. And I'm going to take Denver with the two and a half. Uh, is Denver, do you think, being impacted too by probably some of the air quality that's going on there? Um, Denver? No, no. I mean, you know, you mean as far as like the altitude? Well, we obviously know the altitude, but I mean, like I've seen other parts being impacted by, you know, these wildfires. Like I obviously I know California where the wildfires are further away from where Denver is, but I wasn't sure if there was any sort of, you know, uh, reciprocal problems happening because of it. No, I think, I think Denver is perfectly fine there. Uh, crazy for them actually is, uh, as they ended up with like, you know, like in the, in the Boulder area, yeah, it was like 100 degrees one day, and then all of a sudden they took snow the following day. So um, really weird on, on that front there. But um, no, I don't think the air quality is uh, – well, I mean, the air quality, you know, as far as the altitude goes, I think that has a, an impact. And I don't think if Derrick Henry's not ready for it, um, I think that, you know, he could have an issue. So going to uh, IQ Air, which measures uh, air quality and pollution, uh, going to Denver, they project Sunday to have moderate 
air quality as opposed to good, which has been the surrounding days. So, all right. Well, then there you, you know? go. There's your well, answer. The right more there. you know. <laughs> well, all righty. Um, all right. So there you go. Some leans from John and I. Now, uh, you know, always, guys, it's it's all about having as much information as you possibly can. All right. That's really what it comes down to. And, you know, just we're making these calls right now. It's Thursday night. You have to see what happens with teams traveling, uh, you know, who's on the plane, who's not on the plane uh, and all the testing that needs to happen. So uh, just my recommendation to everybody is, uh, you know, I mean, unless there's a line that's completely egregious that you're like, what the hell? Um, I got to bet this now before it changes. If you don't see anything like that, and I don't really see anything like that, especially for week one, um, I would hold all the betting until you see what happens on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm excited to find out who the first player is to get room service or something like that and violate uh, the code, the hotel COVID rules. So, well, it depends on how hot the uh, the COVID tested tester is. Yeah, Daniel House, you know, Rockets losing, losing, can't play. Had to get the girl in the room. Right? What an idiot! What an idiot! But all right, so there you go. Uh, if you guys want, you know, by all means, check out the Wager Alarm uh, live stream on Saturday night. Craig Mish and I, uh, you can find that on FantasyAlarm.com's uh, YouTube page. You can find it on the front end of the website also uh, as we're doing it because we're going to make our picks for the Westgate Super Contest over there. Uh, and that'll uh, that'll kind of help you uh, with the way it goes. But that's going to do it for me and John here tonight. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. Big thanks to Fantasy Alarm, the Sawdust Podcast Network, for making Annie Up happen. For John and Pemba, I'm Howard Bender. We'll catch you next time.